Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. We start in Long Beach, where the city plans to use its convention center to temporarily house up to a thousand unaccompanied migrant children for up to four months. It's intended to help immigration and health and human services authorities who have been overwhelmed by an influx of minors arriving at the U.S.-Mexico border. Long Beach Mayor Robert Garcia, who spoke to the California Report, says it's the humanitarian thing to do. As an immigrant myself, you know, I'm just grateful that when I came here when I was five years old, that there were folks that were welcoming and supportive. And I think every kid that, that, that comes here, uh, no fault of their own, I think we, we, we need to figure out a way to help them and to ensure that they're successful and they, they can be reunified with their families. The Long Beach City Council is expected to approve the plan at a meeting this afternoon. San Diego is already using its convention center as a temporary shelter, but that site is expected to reach capacity this week. As the L.A. Unified School District prepares to open for in-person learning next week, the country's second-largest school system wants to get many family members of students vaccinated. And school superintendent Austin Butner says the district is ready to help with that. Providing vaccinations for families with children in schools is the single most important thing we can do to get more children back in school classrooms. To help address the issue of vaccine access, Los Angeles Unified will be opening 25 school-based vaccination centers to help the families we serve. Butner says the hope is to get shots into the arms of family members in the community's hardest hit by COVID-19, where access to vaccinations can also be a challenge. The district is staggering the opening of schools next week, with kindergarten and first graders beginning on Tuesday. And the LA Unified also announced yesterday that it will provide teachers and employees a monthly $500 stipend to help them with childcare needs as they return to schools. Full-time employees will receive the subsidy for every child that's five years old and younger. United Teachers Los Angeles, the union representing teachers in the district, raised concerns last month about childcare needs when it was announced that instructors would be returning to teach students in person. Teachers unions in California have been pushing for such help, as many daycare facilities have raised their prices while reducing capacity during the pandemic. And for the first time since becoming vice president, Kamala Harris returned to her hometown of Oakland Monday. KQED politics editor Scott Schaefer says the carefully choreographed visit focused on jobs and infrastructure. It's hard to imagine a friendlier group than the one assembled to meet with Vice President Harris at a small women-owned catering company called Red Door. Standing in the kitchen, Congresswoman Barbara Lee noted the vice president was born in her congressional district, adding that Harris had brought those Oakland values to the nation's capital. And with her brilliance, make sure that all the policies that and the agenda of the Biden-Harris administration have an added lens of racial and gender equity and justice. The event, also attended by U.S. Senator Alex Padilla and others, was intended to promote small business loans for entrepreneurs partly sponsored by the federal government. Harris noted small businesses often fail because they get bad advice. They want to do better, 
But if you walk into a financial institution and feel you're being judged, you're likely to walk out without receiving the help that might be available. And that's the other benefit and strength of our community banks. Throughout her four-hour visit to Oakland, Harris emphasized equity along with jobs and the infrastructure. At a water treatment plant in Oakland, Harris said clean water was an essential resource, one that's not equally distributed. We must understand the equities and inequities of distribution and access to clean water, especially clean drinking water, and address it. The vice president stressed that the administration's infrastructure plan would help replace lead pipes and outdated water systems. Let's upgrade them. Why? Because drinking lead will kill our children, literally. Harris didn't make much news on her visit Monday, but her return to Oakland, 56 years after being born there, as the woman a heartbeat away from the presidency, is a pretty good story in itself. For the California Report, I'm Scott Schaefer. As California attempts to prioritize vaccinating poor and immigrant communities across the state, so-called community ambassadors are crucial to that effort. CAP Radio's Scott Rod introduces us to one such ambassador in Merced County in the San Joaquin Valley. Arturo Barajas started playing mariachi music over 30 years ago when he moved to Merced, where he's provided the soundtrack for generations of Mexican-Americans marking life's milestones. The music is the glue of our people. Mariachi music, in reality, is in every facet of life, whether it be the celebration of a baptism or the celebration of a girl's 15th birthday. These days, Arturo plays mostly funerals, usually two a week, and the deadly pandemic hasn't spared his loved ones. The music director that I had, he passed away from COVID a month and a half ago. My own brother passed away a month ago, more or less. Latinos make up less than 40% of California's population, but account for more than half of the state's COVID-19 cases. Merced County, which has a large immigrant and agricultural community, has been hit especially hard. But the state's efforts towards equity have barely moved the needle. Now, it's directing 40% of vaccine doses to underserved communities, and local clinics and residents are doing much of the legwork to reach those in need. Come in. I catch Dr. Rodrigo de Zubria on his lunch break. He's the chief medical officer at Castle Family Health Centers. The state has been very slow in the release of the vaccine. Pretty much everything that we get is gone you know, within a few days. He's confident supply will start to increase, but that's only one challenge. It's been a struggle to reach farm and food plant workers, and not everyone in the community trusts the vaccine. Castle has organized social media campaigns, and it's depending on individual patients, like Ricardo Juarez, who works at a nearby almond plant. He's sitting in the waiting room before his first dose. My idea of getting, of course, was for my health and the health of the people I love around me. He also hopes it will sway some of his coworkers. Because a lot of people in my job, they don't actually know the real information about it. And it's just people that believe what other people tell them. Local clinics are also relying on what they call promotoras, people with deep connections in the Latino community. Arturo Barajas, the mariachi musician, is one of them. He's helped hundreds of agricultural workers get immunized. I just tell him, you know, for the well-being of your whole family, you need to get the shot. And you need to really, really put your faith in God and put your faith in science. As we walk through downtown Merced, his community connections are on display. 
we stop by a music store, and the manager's wife works at the same school where Arturo teaches guitar. The manager doesn't hesitate when Arturo asks to borrow a guitar off the wall. De colores. Let me get my mask off. <laughs> De colores se visten los campos en la primavera. Last month, Arturo helped organize a vaccine drive for farm workers in the nearby town of Planada. He came with his guitar and serenaded the nurses administering shots and the laborers waiting in line. It was a new occasion among life's milestones worthy of mariachi music, and one that might help Arturo avoid playing more funerals down the road. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Merced County. Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at osh.com. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul, for 30 years, or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Do you know what makes the world feel a little bit more normal in the midst of the pandemic? The start of the baseball season and the return of such teams as the A's, Giants, Dodgers, and Padres to the playing field. But what about the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes, Modesto Nuts, and Lake Elsinore Storm? Those are just some of California's minor league baseball teams that are getting ready for the start of their season. I spoke to Benjamin Hill, who covers the business of minor league baseball, about the challenges teams have faced during the pandemic. Well, it goes without saying it was a very difficult year. I think that obviously applies to almost all businesses and uh, especially the sports industry. Uh, minor league baseball, I'd say, was hit particularly hard because unlike, you know, quote unquote major sports, there is no, um, you know, media rights broadcast revenue in the industry much at all. It's a live entertainment business. So in the absence of actually being able to have fans in the stands, there was literally nothing happening, uh, not to mention just all the pandemic-related concerns of having players promoted and on road trips. I mean, there was just nothing they could do to get a season off the ground. And a lot of these teams, you know, are not uh, raking in the big bucks, uh, a lot of smaller operations. So to lose an entire season and have had the pandemic hit really in March when they'd already uh, spent so much money preparing for the season, it was kind of the worst-case uh, scenario in that regard as well. And pandemic aside, you also have Major League Baseball looking to restructure the minors and cut the number of minor league teams way back. Here in California, for instance, the Lancaster Jethawks went under after they were evicted from the California League. So what's been happening on that front? Right. Um, well, at the end of the 2020 season, which really wasn't a season at all, um, the professional baseball agreement, the relationship between major and minor league baseball regarding the number of clubs and the arrangements between those two entities, uh, that expired and uh, major league baseball 
initiated a much larger change of the landscape. Um, you know, most significantly, there were 160 teams over six levels of play, and now going into 2021, there are 120 affiliated teams over four levels of play. And as minor league teams return to play while also trying to maintain COVID precautions, how challenging do you think that's going to be for them? It's going to take a while until we're at a full capacity ballpark. So it's still going to be struggling. I think teams are going to save some of their premier promotions and some of those nights where they really want to pack the ballpark until late in the season. And uh, I think there's a you know, huge optimism and excitement, big picture, but uh, also it's going to be tough in the early going because if you're playing to 25, 35, 40% capacity um, and you're dependent on attendance for your revenue, uh, there's only so much money you can make when you're limited in that regard. And finally, as we inch our way out of this pandemic, there are a lot of people out there who are thinking about doing things that maybe they didn't do in the past, like attending a minor league ball game. What would be your best reasons for going to a game if that's something you had never done before? It sounds like a cliche, but there's very few things better than being at a minor league ballpark on a beautiful summer night, you know, around other people in the community, letting worries go. And I think after the year we all had and having no minor league baseball at all, I think, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder and it'll be that much greater at a ballpark in 2021 and beyond. Well, amen to that. That's Ben Hill, who writes about the business of minor league baseball. Ben, thanks so much. Well, thanks for talking to me. I appreciate it. And that is the California Report for this Tuesday, April 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor. PersonalCapital.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health, and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years? Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snap Judgment Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.